This morning we're looking at Luke chapter 12, verse 22 to 34. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. You may recall that last week we considered the man in the crowd who seemed to be preoccupied with earthly thoughts when the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, was preaching on matters of eternal importance. Just look at that man's petition to Jesus in verse 13 of chapter 12. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. This is a man who had the the incarnate Son of God preaching, the best preacher ever preaching to them about very weighty matters and uh, he's more concerned about his earthly inheritance. Then we considered the parable of the rich man who had an abundant harvest. Instead of praising God and giving thanks for his plentiful provision, he occupied his mind with thoughts of building bigger barns and of taking it easy, eating, drinking and being merry. To him God said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? What those two men had in common was covetous hearts. They were both greedy for earthly treasures, so much so that they had no thought for God. It can hardly be said that they were laying up treasures in heaven. And I like what Spurgeon said. He said, Where we place our treasures... Our thoughts will naturally fly. It will be wise to let all that we have act as magnets to draw us in the right direction. If our very best things are in heaven, our very best thoughts will fly in the same direction. But if our choicest possessions are of the earth, our our heart will be earthbound. Greed and having a preoccupation with earthly riches is something that Jesus speaks about in his parable of the soils, where he said in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Again, this is someone who's preoccupied with earthly riches. Nothing wrong with thinking about earthly inheritance. Nothing wrong with thinking, where am I going to put this abundant crop that I've had this year? Thank God for that crop. But when you have no thought for God, then it becomes a big problem. It's covetousness. It's greediness. And your treasures are in on the earth instead of in heaven, and so too is your heart. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul said, The love of money is the root of all evil. People get that wrong, don't they? They say money is the root of all evil. It's not. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. 
Money and all the nice things that money buys are a huge stumbling block, so much so that for many people, the shopping mall has replaced the church as a place of worship. Or if you don't get to the shopping mall, then perhaps Amazon is your temple. I don't know. This morning, Jesus turns his attention away from the crowd to his disciples, which presumably includes all of you in here who are trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin. Although the theme has not changed in today's passage, the emphasis has changed. The previous verses were all about keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus rather than being preoccupied with accumulating earthly treasures. But today's verses are about keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus as you look to your loving Heavenly Father to feed your hungry bellies or to provide clothes for your bodies. Having said that, I'm inclined to suspect that there aren't too many people on this island, Christians or otherwise, who lose any sleep over such matters. People in our green and pleasant land are more likely to be preoccupied with thoughts of what restaurant they're going to go to for lunch. Or whether they can cram any more clothes in their wardrobes without their clothes clothes hanger poles breaking under the weight of all their clothes. However, many of the Lord's people do live in abject poverty in various parts of the world and they are being encouraged to look heavenwards to their Heavenly Father who has abundantly met their needs and who will continue to meet all their needs. Before we look at the passage, it's as well to point out that a certain amount of thought about the good things that you have in the world or a degree of concern or anxiety even about what you do not have and perhaps what you feel that you need for yourself or your loved ones is quite natural. There's nothing wrong with that. That said... The Lord Jesus Christ reproves all whose thoughts or anxieties are what Calvin describes as immoderate. In other words, they are a distraction from God and his provision and are the consequences of distrust, not trusting in God to provide for you. First of all, God provides food. Let's have a look again at Luke chapter 12 verse 24. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? Back in verse 6, Jesus, speaking not just to his disciples, but to the whole crowd, said that the sparrows are not forgotten by God, and they in the crowd are worth more than many sparrows. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus was speaking not to everyone, but to his disciples, and he said to them that not even a sparrow can fall to the ground apart from God's will, and that they, that is his disciples, are of more value than the sparrows. As for the ravens, in 
Luke chapter 12 verse 24. I don't suppose it would enter their little bird brains to build barns and even greater barns like the rich man in the parable. Nor would they have any anxiety issues about having nothing to eat. God feeds them. Jesus then pointed out that they, his disciples, are better than the fowls, better than the birds. Generally speaking, God sustains all his creation according to his will, his good pleasure, including and especially mankind. All of mankind. If when I'm saying that you're thinking about the famines and the starvation in the world, you do well to attribute all those things, not to God's failure to supply, but to man's covetousness, man's greediness with regards to the worldwide distribution of food, the, the food that God has so graciously supplied. It's all about man's greed and covetousness, as always. Corruption. Having said that, at times God undoubtedly does send famines. As any of you who reads the book of Jeremiah will know, you'll know that God afflicted the Old Testament Jews with famines because of their continual rebellion against him and their idolatries. It's called judgment. And God does judge people. But he is the creator. And we are his create creatures. When it comes to all of you who are trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin. And who therefore know God as your loving heavenly father. You can see just how much your heavenly father provides for you. When you consider a brother in Christ from the Old Testament. If you look at this brother in Christ in the Old Testament, you'll get an appreciation of God's love for you. That brother in Christ was the prophet Elijah. During a time of famine, the Lord said to Elijah, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kerith, that is before Jordan, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Kerith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Isn't that amazing? God who feeds the ravens arranged for the ravens to feed the prophet Elijah, in the morning and the evening. God was looking after his servant as he looks after all his children, his dearly loved children, people trusting in Jesus. Before we move on, I don't want anyone to go away with the idea that you can sit back uh, and twiddle your thumbs imagining that God will send the ravens to feed you in the morning or the evening. Uh, or that he'll drop um, bread from heaven as he did when he sent bread from heaven to the Israelites uh, during their wilderness wanderings, 40 years of wilderness wanderings after God had delivered them from their afflictions in Egypt. 
God can do those things. But generally speaking, he doesn't, does he? As the Apostle Paul said to the Christians in Thessalonica, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, this we commanded Christians, that if any would not work, neither should that he eat. So don't sit back waiting for God to meet your needs. I met people like that. And what I might generally say to them is, well, get on with it. Do so pray. Know what you've got to do and do it prayerfully. There is only one exception that I can think of at the moment here where you can do nothing and that is being saved from your sins. You can do nothing there. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to get saved. You trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that he has done it all at the cross. When he said, it is finished. He finished it. The work of redemption was completed at the cross and with his resurrection from the dead. Secondly, God provides clothes. So he provides food, he provides clothes. Look at verses 27 and 28. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Again, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. O ye of little faith. Thank God they did have faith, but it, clearly it was little faith if they were anxious about the clothes and things like that, the food that they eat, the clothes that they wear. Have you spotted the parallelism between what we've just considered with the ravens and now looking at the lilies? We had consider the ravens and now we have consider the lilies. We had neither, they neither sow nor reap and now we have they neither toil nor spin. We had God feedeth them for the ravens and now we have God clothes the grass. We had... How much more are ye better than the fowls? And now we have, how much more will he clothe you? So having spoken about how God feeds us, Jesus emphasises God's bountiful provision by speaking in a very similar way about how God clothes us. But still, we can very easily be consumed with anxieties about what we need or what we think we need. And then we lose sight of our great heavenly provider, almighty God. Spurgeon saw in these verses a rebuke for us from the lilies. He said, We must not be anxious about how we shall be clad, for the field lilies, not under the gardener's care, are as glorious as the most pompous of monarchs, and yet they enjoy life free from labour and thought. Lovely lilies, 
How ye rebuke our foolish nervousness. The array of lilies comes without fret. Why do we kill ourselves with care about that which God gives to plants which cannot care? Luther also spoke about lilies putting us to shame when he said, It seems that the flowers stand there and make us blush and become our teachers. Thank you, flowers, for uh, you who are to be devoured by the cows. God has exalted you very highly that you become our masters and teachers. We are to consider the flowers, then consider ourselves. If we persist in worry, it is because we are of little faith. We do not believe God's word. It is as simple as that. We do not believe he is in control. We do not believe he is capable of taking care of us. We do not believe what his word tells us about his love and care for his own, for Christians. Disbelief is the midwife of worry. I don't know about you, but I need to learn a lesson from the lilies, which... We have at home, even as I speak, we've got lilies at home. We've got lilies on our table. We've got lilies on our windowsill. If my heavenly father's clothes, if my heavenly father clothes those lilies, how much more will he clothe me? In my home, we're fond of how beautiful the lilies look. We often have lilies. They look beautiful and they emit a beautiful fragrance throughout the house. But for all that, they don't last long, do they? The ones we've got at home at the moment, certainly the ones on the table, they'll be going in the wheelie bin very soon, probably tomorrow. And at least we don't get thrown in the wheelie bin, even though we do, of course, fade and wither, just like the lilies do. On that happy note, we can look at verses 29 through to 31 and seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink neither be ye of doubtful mind for all these things do the nations of the world seek after and your father knoweth that ye have need of these things but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you By now, can you see how futile it is to be anxious about what you shall eat and what you shall wear, worrying about these things? What's the point? Jesus has amply demonstrated that he who provides for birds and flowers is is amply able to provide for your temporal needs. So let the pagans worry about those things which are of secondary importance and which fail, pale rather, into insignificance compared with seeking the kingdom of God. Or as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, far better not to be weighed down by anxieties about your earthly needs especially when God provides to all his creatures just what they need not necessarily what you want but what you need 
Instead, be focused on God himself and his kingdom and his righteousness. Let's remember that Jesus was addressing his disciples, people for whom God is their heavenly father. That includes all of you who believe that God gave his only begotten son to bear away your sins at the cross. In James chapter 1 verse 17 it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. As I've already said earlier, there are Christians that are living in abject poverty in the world. They don't have much food, their tummies are rumbling, they're going around rubbish heaps looking for scraps of food to eat. They're wearing rags, if that. But even so, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. A loving heavenly father. You can be sure that that verse speaks not so much of food and clothes, but of every spiritual blessing that you have in Christ Jesus your Lord. Even if you don't have as much as you would like in the world, you have every good gift, every perfect gift from God, dear Christian. You have blessings such as the forgiveness of sins. You have everlasting life. And you don't even you don't even seek the kingdom of God in your own strength. Or if you do, you're wasting your time, and you're going to wear yourself out. If you seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness in your own strength, dear Christian, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus as the one who is already savingly. You are savingly united to Him already. And that is by the grace of God. And draw on that continual flow of grace, which is sufficient to meet all your needs. Not all your wants, but all your needs. His grace is sufficient for you. Finally, 4,000 years ago, in obedience to the word of God, Abraham took his only son Isaac, whom he loved, to a mountain to offer him as a burnt offering Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. What transpired as as Abraham was about to bring down the knife and slay his own son, he was stopped by the angel of the Lord. However, 2,000 years later, those words of Abraham, God will provide himself a lamb, were fulfilled. When a child was born in Bethlehem, when a son was given, 
When the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, came into the world to save sinners by living a sinlessly perfect life and then sacrificially laying down his life at the cross. As has already been said, Jesus is by far God's greatest provision to sinful mankind. Repent, receive him as your saviour. Feed and feast your soul upon Jesus, who is the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Be clothed in garments infinitely more glorious than that of the lilies of the field. Be clothed in garments of salvation and be adorned in a robe of righteousness as a child of God who stands before God, your heavenly father, dearly loved with a heavenly father's love and accepted in his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.